Hello, dear friends. I'm Monty Church, and welcome today to one of the most beautiful places in the Northwest, Snoqualmie Falls. Today, I'd like to share with you the incredible spiritual significance of this place that our Snoqualmie brothers and sisters still hold to to this day. Having been here centuries before the white man ever discovered this place, our native Snoqualmie people were known as the Moon People because they regarded themselves as brought into existence and placed in this beautiful place by the Creator of the heavens. The water spray that you see and hear that goes up from these great falls had great significance to them. The mists symbolized for them created man, rising heavenward to the Creator in prayer, worship, and in thanksgiving for life and the sustaining blessings of their paradise home. Then, much like the spray of the falls going back into the river pathway, they understood they would be united in the Creator's power of flowing out in blessing and loving kindness to others. They strongly believed that if they continued to abide and live in faithful unity with the leading of the Great Spirit, they would always be assured of the Creator's blessings on them in this life and in the life to come. Really, this is the gospel in a nutshell that we find here in the Book of Heaven. How can we know we're God's children? The reason we know is because we've been changed from death to life because by His Spirit in us, we love one another. As a result of these spiritual beliefs, there is a life principle the Snoqualmie strongly practice, and that is this. As a Creator is faithful in His promises to them, they should also be faithful in their promises to one another. Unfortunately, today we observe more and more the lack of honesty in what people promise in business dealings and in their personal relationships. It's a fact that you can hardly count on anything anymore. This has caused all of us to live in a world of insecurity and uncertainty. However, the good news is that there is something we can trust in today, and that is the Book of Heaven. It teaches us that all of the Creator's promises are something that we can depend on and trust in, and that's a fact. God in every way has proven true to His Word, and it's on this principle that we find the foundation of all true spirituality. So it's this principle of knowing the certainty of God's promises in the Christian life that is the topic of hope and security that I'd like to share with you today. In our Christian journey, we all deal at times with doubts and fears that the evil spirits seek to plague our thoughts and imaginations with. It is so easy to get confused and discouraged and even afraid in life in this troubled earth. It is no wonder with the increase of natural weather disasters, pandemics, diseases, government corruption, fake news, and the increase of violence everywhere, our minds now question anything that's going on out there anymore. Friends, it's a fact that this old world seems to be out of control and going down the tube in so many ways. At times it causes one to wonder, where is God in all this? Has He deserted us? Can we count on His promises that He will protect us 
and see us through the unexpected trials and problems we're all facing today? Let me show you why I believe that you can count on the fact that God is in control no matter what's going on in this world today and that you can have the certainty of knowing that He's going to follow through with all the promises that He's made to you and me. The Book of Heaven tells us, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God always provides us with evidence on which to base our faith. We can start out by knowing that our Creator is still in control of things by observing what we can see to what we cannot always fully understand. Have you ever thought about the wonders of nature? I think of looking up at the stars at night. What keeps them on course? In the morning the sun rises. Everything is on schedule. What keeps them under control? The Book of Heaven says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day it utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. I know we've all wondered about the migrating geese going south in the fall. What keeps them on course? What gets them to the place where they should be? The Book of Heaven says, Ask the beasts, and they will teach you, and the birds of the air, and they will tell you. And then there's the miracle of a newborn baby. The Bible tells us, Everyone whom I have created for my glory, I have formed you. Yes, I have made you. And then last but not least, is the power and the accuracy of the Book of Heaven, God's Word. Time after time, predictions and prophecy after prophecy are fulfilled right on time, just the way God said they would. The history of it is accurate. The principles of it are always true. And then there's the warning and the accuracy of the Bible telling us that we live among evil spirits. I found out this for myself. I found that there is really a devil. There are really evil demons. Let me tell you my story. One night I was approached by a man who came to my house knocked on the door and pleaded with me when I answered, please help me, the devil's trying to kill me. I went with him to his house and there we sat down with he and his wife and we talked about how there's nothing I can do, it's only the Lord Jesus that could ever help him. It was then I asked him to pray with me and then I started out, dear Lord, and he said, dear Lord, we come to you today, Lord, we come to you today because we need your help, because we need your help. He would repeat everything I said. It was then I said, today, Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And he said, Lord, we come to you in the name, and he couldn't say the name Jesus. It was then I realized that I was in the presence of the devil. I could feel the pressure. I could feel his presence. It was horrible, it was scary. I looked and I saw him where he was kneeling and praying, being picked up off the floor, about three feet off the floor, and slammed to the floor. I thought it broke his kneecaps or bloodied his nose when his head hit the floor. 
I was frightened. But then he cried out, in Jesus' name. And just like that, the force went away. The pressure was gone. And the devil left that poor man's soul. It was a scary experience. But it was then I realized if there's a real devil, there also must be a real God. The Book of Heaven says, And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Everything in the Book of Heaven about life fits. Everything about this world's history is accurate and uncontested. Today, more and more scientists, historians, and scholars of the world agree the words of Scripture to be true. The Apostle writing in the Book of Heaven declares, For we have not told you some made-up myths about power and the coming of the Lord Jesus, we saw His Majesty with our own eyes. But one of the greatest revelations of all that there's a real God is the transforming power of God that no one can deny. I have witnessed repeatedly the absolute miracles of changes that have happened in people's lives that they could never make on their own. That is the testimony of those who commit themselves to His leading. You can't deny it. You can't refute it. This is what's made my work so personally rewarding, is to see the miracles in these people's lives over and over again. Now, I would like you to listen to the story of one of my dearest friends, Scotty Barron, who went through one of the most severe experiences that anyone can go through when it comes to the uncertainty of trusting in man's promises. I'm Dennis Barron, better known as Scotty on the Yukon River. I was uh, mayor of Ruby for a spell back in the 60s. And uh, at that time, they had a hospital in Tanana on the Yukon River, where the Tanana River comes into the Yukon. And I decided that I would live in Tanana at the time that winter. I happened to be in one of the stores in Tanana at the time, and one of, a pilot that owned the store approached me and said he'd saw a bunch of a uh, number of beaver houses up in the Redland area. And he wanted me to go fly out there and trap them. At that time, I told him, I'd go up there and check them because with beaver, you never know if the house is alive or dead. And so he agreed, and uh, I told him to furnish me with two weeks of rations, and that after checking them, I'd be on foot all this time. After checking them, he was to fly back out, and I could tell him if the houses were alive, and at that time, bring me some more groceries. And if they were dead, I'd just fly back with him. So he agreed, and so we flew out. So I got it all set up for camping. And 
made some tea and had lunch and uh, figured the next day I'd start walking in one direction. I figured I'd walk in four different directions on different days. And so I walked one way the next day and I put in about uh, 10 miles and I checked beaver houses. Like the guy said, there were a lot of beaver houses. So I walked in a different direction that next morning and I checked a lot of houses. Each one of those were dead. So after two weeks, I pretty had much, I had it figured out that uh, it wouldn't be worthwhile even staying out there because everything was dead. And got all ready and the next morning, I took my camp down, put everything, packed everything, got ready. I waited all day and he didn't show up. So I put the tent back up and got ready to spend another night. Well, after taking this tent down for about a week and packing it, I got tired of waiting. So finally at last I decided my rations were all gone. I hadn't had anything to eat for a week. I figured, well, I'd try to walk out. So I walked for about 12 hours in this condition, and the webbing started breaking apart in the snowshoe. And as the webbing started breaking apart, pretty soon the snowshoes weren't worth anything. Uh, they weren't holding me up. So I stopped and figured, well, I'll try to build a fire. My matches were all wet, everything. I couldn't get nothing lighted. So I got thinking I'd just stand the snowshoes in the snow there and start walking my trail back to camp. Once I got back to camp, I never built fire or anything. I was pretty wore out. 24 hours of walking will do that without not eating. And uh, so I just crawled in my sleeping bag and you know, you get hunger pains to where your stomach's hurting. So what I did, I pulled my boots, bunny boots inside the sleeping bag with me and I'd sleep on my stomach on top of them and it'd keep my stomach from hurting. So during this time, I did a lot of praying. And uh, I'd been raised in the Seventh-day Adventist Church and had been kind of fallen back from the church. But you tend to think about times like this, about God, and you think about him more and asking him for to forgive you for, you know, your sins and kind of going, falling along the wayside. I've been out there for 40 days now and I'd gone down miserably. I was getting weak. My arms uh, were getting, I could put my fingers around my arms and normally I couldn't do that. And on the 40th day, I finally heard a plane. He had finally come back to pick me up and I was kind of uh, not my right mind. I put a shell in the chamber, and I was gonna shoot him when he got there. Even with the praying I'd been doing, it just, you know, there was a tendency to uh, revenge. 
So he landed and he's walking up to me. I had the gun trained on him and uh, I finally dropped it. And he didn't say a word. He helped me pack my gear and we loaded it on the plane. Well, we got back to town. The guy didn't say much to me. All he could say, well, I thought you were doing okay. I got back to town and they weighed me and I went from 205 down to 145 pounds. I was close to starvation. I think I ate one cracker and a piece of cheese and I started getting sick. After that, I just got sicker and sicker. It took me quite a while to restore my health and get built back up. And during this time, uh, the guy that owned the trap line that I had been flown to, he came out and told me, he said, I went to that pilot and told him to pick you up two weeks after he dropped you off. Then 40 days after you were out there, I went and told him to go pick the body up. They had a job down in Big Delta and I drove to Big Delta, which is about 100 miles away from Fairbanks. And I was working down there. While I was down there, this pilot came to my wife at the time and collected the money for the flight to go get me. And she paid him. To this day, I've been in court a few times, but it's been over things that, you know, I didn't cause, and I just still don't believe in lawsuits. God has been good to me. He's given me my life when, you know, I shouldn't be here today if it wasn't for God. A few years back, I flew into Fairbanks for a funeral, and he was at the funeral. I don't hold a grudge against anybody, and it made me feel good. I went up and shook his hand because it was only a year or so later that he died in a car accident. And it made me feel good that I had had peace. I was at peace with him for what he'd done. And uh, I just feel like, uh, you know, it probably would do me more harm to hold a grudge against anybody then it would, you know, it just, I think that's what hurts people a lot nowadays is the grudges they hold because it, it'll come back to get you. I read the Bible often and I know what's right and wrong. And I thank God I did. But it did take me years to actually come back and God was patient with me. It really tells you one thing about our Lord and Savior, that he's, he's a, a very forgiving God. He waits for you. He's opened the door and he's waiting for you to come in. If no one has invited you back to church, I myself am inviting you back into the fold because God is waiting for you. He loves you and he's patient about, you know, he's a forgiving God.
things we've done in the past, he will forgive them. He's got his arms wide open. So I appeal to you today to give your heart to Christ and come back. Men will often fail to keep their promises and treaties, but you can always be certain God will be faithful to what he promises you and me. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hold fast your hope, for he who promises is trustworthy. The big question is, how can I have the saving grace deep within my soul of his protection, of his care, of his love that he longs so much for us to know? My friend, this amazing gift of confidence and spiritual certainty God wants to bestow upon us right now. And it can be yours if you are just willing to believe the facts and choose to let the Holy Spirit lead your thinking in everything you do. This is the essence of faith or trust in God's loving direction or knowing God's will. When you do this, you can be certain you are His and all of His promises will become real and true in your life. Now what is genuine trust? Let's look at the Bible story of the Canaanite woman found in the book of heaven in Matthew chapter 15. This is about a woman who was very sick. When Jesus passed by, she reached out and touched his garment, believing that he would bestow his mercy upon her. When she did, she was healed. Jesus turned to her and said, your faith has made you whole. Because you trusted in me, you were healed. She had not only observed and learned about Jesus' teachings and his mercies toward people, but in trust she acted on it. But you may be asking, what can we do to incorporate the confidence and certainty of God's presence in our lives? It's explained so well by one of my favorite authors. Consecrate yourself to God each morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be, Take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Abide with me, and let all my work be wrought on you. By giving all your heart like this to Jesus each day, you will, by your power of choice, become one of God's Spirit-led children. The promise is, this life in Christ is a life of restfulness. So this state of restfulness, which we all so deeply crave, comes when we, like the rising of the mist from this powerful waterfall, cascades back and becomes one again into the loving, guiding arms of the flowing river of life, which is Jesus. So again, how do we as Christians deal with the uncertainty and the troublous things that are happening all around us today? The bottom line is that of focusing on the truth found right here in the Book of Heaven, where we have evidence of God's working power. And what happens is this. God's mighty power destroys the fortress of human thinking, evil imaginations, and misleading theories. These weapons do not come from this world, but come from God. For every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God will be knocked down 
and brought into agreement with Christ. You see, this wonderful promise talks about the victory brought about by God's power, but it also reveals the problems that our human thinking can, at times, cause us. The devil loves to mess with our imaginations, causing doubts and uncertainties. The native Eskimo word for imagination is liar because its information is not always based on facts. In reality, uncertainty about truth is really an attitude of self-centered mistrust. So our only deliverance from spiritual uncertainty is focusing on the fact that God is in charge, not us. So Jesus invites us by saying this about his truth. If I and my teachings are lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So friends, you can be rest assured that God has proven himself to be in control of this world and his plan of rescuing you and me from this broken planet. These hardships won't be forever. In his love, God has told us that bad things will happen toward the end of time, but he will see us through our troubled times. It bothers many about the last days of time. It's called the time of tribulation in the book of Daniel. But the scripture says, if we are staying close to Christ, we don't have to worry about this. The promise to those who abide in the Lord is this. Because you've made the Lord your defender and the most high your refuge, you shall be covered with his feathers and hidden under his wings. His truth will defend and protect you, for he shall give his angels charge over you. No plague shall come near your dwelling. Only with your eyes shall you see the reward of the wicked. The book of heaven says, I will be with you to the end of the world. Friends, it's not hard to see that we are living in the closing days of this world's history. Jesus is coming back to take us with him to heaven very soon. When Jesus comes again, he can only save eternally those who love his righteous ways, which will prevent sin from ever arising again. Those who love his ways would never desire to choose to sin again, as sin totally goes against the ways of true happiness and safety. But to have this kind of character, today we must be deliberately choosing day by day to have an abiding relationship with God through the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Lord has never promised a rose garden to any of us while we're still here on this earth. All of us at one point or another will run into hard times where we're tempted to wonder, why me? But God has promised to be with us until the end of time, until sin has run its course and he can make all things new for us. We know that God is able to bring something good out of every circumstance as long as we trust Him and remain true to the purpose for which He's called us. Yes, there's going to be times in our Christian journey that we will experience uncertainty and wondering what's happening and what can we depend on. To those who personally know and trust God, they know that these are not times to question but to trust. He has proven himself in his promises that we can trust him and he will see us through every circumstance. Also remember that you haven't had any temptation that others haven't had. God is faithful 
and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength, but will provide a way of escape, so you will be able to stand up against it. All God is looking for is a true desire on our part to step out in faith and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in all his ways. When we want God's ways to be our ways, we will be given the gift of absolute certainty that we are cared for, not only now, but until we reach our heavenly home. The Book of Heaven says, Let us acknowledge the Lord by our obedience. Let us press on to know Him better. He will shine on us as surely as the day dawns. He will come to us as surely as the winter rains fall on the earth and the spring rains ripen the harvest. This verse teaches that learning to trust in God is a growing, pursuing experience of how much He loves us. When our tracks show us stepping out with all the faith we do have, our Heavenly Father will take care to see us through the rest of the impossibilities of life until we enter the gates of our eternal home. Trust me, dear friends, all uncertainty will disappear if you'll just step out in faith and allow the Lord to lead you. He waits for you now. And that's why we always say in closing, let only the good spirit guide you.